Hey guys, welcome back to another video. My name is Clay, if you didn't already know. Just a reminder that I'm uploading these videos as a podcast now as well. I'm just taking the audio portion of the video and uploading it as a podcast. So if you're the type of person that prefers that medium, check those links below. Also, I have an audio question feature now as well. So if you have any questions and you wanna leave me an audio question that I can include in a future video or put at the end of a video if it's a relevant question, check that link below and go leave me an audio question. So the topic of today's video is how to exist in a world that doesn't make sense. It seems like certain people kind of just like fit into the world and it's easier for them to really get it, to exist in this like chaotic system. And then there are other people that seem to find it a bit of a struggle to really fit in or they can, they can do it but it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's it's sort of like trudging through deep snow. That's almost how it feels to fit into this like chaos that exists outside of us. We sort of know ourselves and we, we know what makes sense to us and then outside of us there's just this sea of confusion and we're trying to make sense of it all the time. And it can be quite exhausting. So today I wanna to talk about a few ideas that I have come up with over the years to kind of deal with this issue. How can I reframe my mind to deal with the sea of confusion in the world. I think the root of the problem for me is I look around and I just see a lot of illogical behavior. Things that don't really make sense. Um, people doing things for weird reasons. Reasons that when I try to find the root of the reason, it doesn't seem like there is one. There's, there's a lot of people just following rules for the sake of rules. Um, maybe they respect the system and so they follow it without question. I find that hard. I find it very hard to fit into those kind of systems. I really respect people that have good reasons for things. I respect when people have logical reasons behind what they're doing. So if you've ever watched Star Trek, I realize some people kind of hate Star Trek, some people like it. I've always liked Star Trek, even from when I was a little kid. I, I watched Star Trek and I still watch it. There's some like uh, new series like Star Trek Discovery. So one of my favorite characters on Star Trek is the Vulcans. And the Vulcans are this race of people that they have this like chaotic past and they came out of it by embracing logic and like suppressing all emotions. So they're, they're these very stoic, logical, rational people. And they, they base everything on logic. And so they, they work alongside the humans in this show and they kind of view humans as like impulsive, overly emotional, irrational, illogical. It does seem like there's this underlying theme in Star Trek though, that regardless of humans being so irrational all the time and overly emotional and basing their decisions based on you know gut feelings and emotion rather than logic and reason, that for some reason, humans have done quite well and they seem to come out on top regardless, right? So kind of in the same way that Vulcans view humanity, I find that I, maybe this is why I like them, I also seem to view humanity in that same way. I have a hard time watching a lot of the things that I see. It's one of the reasons why I have a really hard time watching the news um, politics, things like that, anything that involve a lot of rhetoric rather than logic and reason kind of bother me. And when I say rhetoric, I mean kind of emotional speech that doesn't have a lot of 
basis below it. it a lot of it is very fluffy and it's, it's meant to persuade people based on these emotional appeals. And there's often a lot of Ill logical fallacies built into these arguments and almost subtle manipulations sort of like playing on people's insecurities, playing on people's emotions. I personally just really don't resonate with that kind of speech or persuasion, but it seems like a lot of our world is based on that. So like basically for my whole life, it's kind of involved like looking around, like seeing all this stuff going on around me and asking why, like why is that person doing that? Like what is the point or why did they think that? And along the way, I've discovered that a lot of people don't like to be asked why. Because often there are no reasons. There's no good reason. I think a lot of it comes down to all these systems have been created. And I am expected as a member of this country, a member of this community, a member of this culture, a member of this group, I am expected to adhere to the systems. The problem is the systems... Uh, they're not really based on anything tangible that I can tell. And, and to me, the systems often seem overly controlling. Uh, they seem like they're trying to inhibit me. They're trying to take away my individuality. They're trying to take away my freedom. And so I think naturally I grind with systems that I'm expected to fit into. Like, for example, I am born in Canada. I now am a member of Canada. I'm a Canadian citizen just by birth. And along with that comes a number of rules. There's all these things that I now have to do or essentially I would go to jail. Like for example, let's say I have an apple tree and I grow a bunch of apples and my neighbor has some oranges. And then I give him half my apples and he gives me half his oranges. Essentially, we would be breaking the law because we haven't paid the government tax. I would have to give a portion of my apples to the government just because, you know, I gave this guy some apples in exchange for some oranges. That's called income tax. And it's just one example of something that just slightly uh, bothers me, I guess. It, and I understand that I'm helping the country, I'm helping the greater good. But for some reason, there's something about that that just naturally grinds with me, that I am forced to join this system and contribute in a way that is against my free will. And it's kind of funny, like if I'm actually given the choice to do something, I will often do it. But if I am forced to do it, it's almost like there's this thing inside of me that says, I must resist that, I must not do that. So other examples, there's lots of laws that I'm expected to follow. And if I don't follow them, I can be fined, I can be put in jail, I can be shamed by culture. Um, there's all kinds of cultural rules that I'm expected to follow, like how does a man behave in this culture? How does a father behave in this culture? How am I expected to behave in a relationship? What are all the rules that are surrounding that relationship? I'm not, I'm not allowed to make up my own rules. I have to adhere to society's definition of what a relationship means. What does a marriage mean? Well, there's very specific rules. The government tells me, you know, I, for some reason, want to get the government involved in my relationship and sign a legal contract. You know, the whole concept of marriage to be honest, is a little funny to me lately. Like, the more I think about it, why do we want to get the government involved in our relationships? So I have a relationship with somebody, 
and now I go to the courthouse and I sign some papers. But I think a lot of people just take these things for granted and, and they're fine living within these systems. But if you can actually take a step back, which is very difficult, by the way. I don't think a lot of people even get to that point. If, but once you sort of remove yourself from the system, you start to really wonder a lot of this stuff. Like, why are we doing this? Like, this doesn't make sense. So what exactly is going on here, do I think? I think I've talked about this before, but I think that we as humans have a very hard time making decisions based on facts, data, rationale, logic, real tangible things. For some reason, we have a very hard time with that. And instead, most people, I would say, are much more likely to make their decisions based on tribal politics, um, fitting in, status games, things like competition. Um, You know, your tribe tells you that people like us do things like this. And most people will just accept that and do it. And it's like it doesn't even cross their mind to come up with a reason other than that. And I find you can always tell the people that are making their decisions based on this type of thinking because they enforce the rules with shame. And that's a clear giveaway. They don't enforce the rules with reason, try to educate people and sway people to their way. They enforce it with shame and guilt. I can't help but wonder if the reason why they do that is because they themselves feel guilty, but I guess that's a a different topic. The thing is, though, it's like, can you really escape it? Like, most of what I think I know is just based on what other people have told me. How much do I really know that is truly based on facts? There is a clear correlation between certain personalities and this type of behavior, the sort of tribal behavior, tribalism. You know, they get together, they decide as a group what they believe, and then they all enforce that, often through shame. And one thing I've noticed is that it's becoming increasingly difficult to not partake in a lot of this stuff. For some reason, I must choose one of these political parties. I'm not allowed to kind of just exist out here on my own and have my own ideas. So I think, traditionally speaking, my temptation has been to fight this, to fight the system. This is sort of the last few years of my life, maybe last 10 years of my life. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to. And then I kind of like make this stand and, I, and it gives me all this anxiety at the same time though because I'm, I'm trying to resist against this system, this culture, these people that are trying to tell me what to do. I'm like trying to make you know, myself unique. And I find it incredibly difficult most of the time. I feel like the risk is you almost go the opposite way just to avoid the system. So as an example, you know, you start a business and you start to realize how much money you truly give to the government. You know, it's one thing when you're an employee and you just get a check every month and you don't really see all the money that's going to the government. But when you own a business, it's, it starts to get to the point where it's a little shocking. You know, you make $1,000 and then there's corporate income tax and all these other little fees and things that go off. And then you take some of it as income and you pay income tax. And depending on where you live, I live in Canada, you know, all of a sudden there's employment insurance coming off that. And there's little things like government pension plan and all these things. 
And at the end of the day, it, it, you look at how much money you have, and there's a lot of money that's been taken off, this $1,000. Um, but if you go and lose $1,000, it's not like the government you know, partakes in your loss and says, oh, okay, well, we're going to give you some money because you lost. At the root of it, the government is almost no... I mean, I mean, in my eyes, a lot of people might think this is maybe not very tasteful, but it, it's almost no different between like a mafia boss coming in and doing a shakedown and taking a portion of your money like what the government is, is doing. I, I make this money and I have to give them money. So because this is part of the system, I really only have a couple choices. I can do it and exist within this and give them their money. Here, take your shakedown money. I can get so upset, and I know people who, who go this way, they get so upset that they're like, fine, I'm not even going to have a business. I'm going to go live off in the forest. In fact, I know a guy he went through a really bad separation and divorce. And his ex-wife, you know, took him to court and basically tried to get every cent out of this guy. And because he's not, he's not a very, like, on top of it kind of guy, you know, he barely, you know, he didn't even hire a lawyer and he just got, like, basically raked over the coals. And now he owes all this money to her. And he hates it so much that rather than work and pay this debt off, he has moved into the forest. He lives in a tiny house off the grid. And he, whenever he makes money, he only accepts cash now so that he doesn't have to pay income tax. He doesn't have to pay child support based on his income. So I look at him now and it's like, that's what you don't want. Like, you don't want to hate the system so much that you go the opposite direction into this hermit mode. It's almost like you're harming yourself as, like, punishment to the government. But the government, they, they don't care. Um, they don't care that you sacrifice yourself as a martyr to go the opposite direction and not even work as some kind of a statement. So there's a lot of us that maybe we've been conforming for so long, but it, it kind of rubs us the wrong way and we don't want to keep doing it. So we have this choice. It's like, do we keep doing it and kind of live with this sandpaper feeling? By the way, somebody asked me what I meant the other day by the sandpaper feeling. It's just sort of like you're doing stuff, you're going along with the thing, but there's, this, there's just this abrasion that's rubbing you and it, it's bothering you. Um, you don't want to do it, but you're doing it anyway. It just doesn't feel right. So all that to say, it seems like we really have two choices. We can go along with the system or we can fight it. But it's almost like if we do that, we're fighting a dragon. It goes back to Nietzsche's idea on the three stages of life. And if you get out of the camel phase and you're now the lion, you're battling the dragon. And the dragon represents culture, and it's, it's basically this immovable thing. It's, it's, it's not possible to fight the dragon. A lot of us think that we can fight the dragon, though. A lot of people, uh, we, we think that we can change it. And so we invest our mental energy into trying to change or fight this dragon. So the government and culture loves to tell us that we're free. I notice this even more in the United States, in their culture, you know, the land of the free. There's this idea that they are free and that nobody can take away their freedoms. Yet when I look at them, when I look at myself, I just see 
that we're living in a giant cage. I personally don't know really how free we are. And it's kind of this idea, well, if you live in a tiny cage, are you free? It's clearly, the answer would be no. What if it's a little bigger of a cage? It's like, okay, well now I have a little bit of freedom to move around this cage. What if the cage is huge? What if I have a large cage? It's the size of a city and I'm a dog. I live in this city-sized cage. I can't go past the walls of that city, but you know, I'm pretty free to roam inside the city. But am I free? And it seems like if you land anywhere on that spectrum, other than completely free, you're essentially not free to do what you want. You're free to do certain things. So at our root, we seem to be stuck in a cage. And I think I've I've come to see that, that there is a cage here and I am stuck inside of it. Sort of like the great philosopher Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins said, despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. Just kidding, he is not one of the great philosophers, but I still think it is a totally valid thought. Despite all my rage, no matter how hard I reject the system, fight the system, gnaw at the bars of the cage, despite all that rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. Okay, so this is probably taking a bit of a depressing turn. I'm basically trying to say we're all caged animals. But let me now jump into this stoic concept of the dog and the cart. And let me explain that. So let's say you're a dog and you're trotting along next to a cart and you're tied with a rope to this cart. This cart kind of represents in the Stoics kind of call it fate. It's the thing that you really can't escape. Um, in sort of modern times, fate sort of means something else. It almost takes on a bit of a religious context. So I'm not going to use the word fate. I'm going to use it more like the system. The system is heading in a certain direction or like the cage that we're placed in. These are the rules that we must follow. That's the cart. It's driving along the road and it's going somewhere. And we have this choice. We can trot along next to the cart and the rope is slack and it almost seems like we're making the decision ourselves to go along with this cart. Or the other choice is to fight it and resist. So, you know, basically you can lay down on the ground and now there's this rope around your neck literally dragging you through the dirt, the mud, the rocks. Because at the end of the day, you're going with the cart whether you want to or not. So in this analogy, you have no choice. You are going where this cart is going. One way you will arrive like in good spirits, maybe, not injured. Uh, the other way, you're getting dragged through the mud, you're going to be you know, in bad shape by the time you get to where this cart is going. So the Stoics would say it's better to trot along next to the cart and kind of exist within the confines of fate, of the system. So going back to that guy I know who moved out into the forest, living in a tiny home, you know, avoiding all his child support payments, avoiding all the money that he owes to his ex-wife. He's kind of like the dog that is laid down on the ground and is attempting to fight an immovable system. Nothing that he can do is going to change the fact that this cart is going along this path and he's tied to it. So how does this relate back to us? It might sound depressing, but for me, 
I heard this concept a few years ago. It was actually Ryan Holiday. He writes a lot about Stoicism, and he's kind of an interesting guy. I'm pretty sure that guy is an INTJ, even though he fully rejects the idea of personality theory himself, which isn't surprising because I find a lot of INTJs do reject personality theory. Not all of them, but it seems like a certain portion of them do. The secret to this dog in the cart analogy is in your own life is to figure out what the cart is. What is the cart? Because I think a lot of people will misdefine what the cart is. They'll be like, oh, I'm in this relationship that is moving in this certain direction. I have no choice but to go along with this relationship. The reality is, is a relationship is not an immovable thing. You, you do have the choice to leave that relationship. Uh, your job, you do have the choice to, to change your life circumstances. So I think a lot of people you might use this analogy to say that they don't have a choice. They don't have a way to improve their life. That is not what I'm saying for the record. There's lots of ways that you can improve your situation and it's really within the confines of the cage. Uh, you might live in a very large cage and you have freedom within this cage to create your own situation. Same with this dog in the cart. You might have a, a fairly long rope to this cart and you are moving along in this direction but you have the freedom to change things within the context of that rope. The cart is the thing that no matter what will never change with your input. So for me, I kind of look at a lot of politics that way. Do I truly have the power to change this system all by myself? And although an argument could be made that maybe I could, if I dedicated my entire life to that one cause, I rose up in politics, I, you know, I, I started local and then I grew to a bigger level and then eventually I, you know, let's say I'm running the country, let's just say. And even in that case, does the leader of a country really have the power to change that dragon? You know, even if I look at the last couple American presidents, Trump, this guy, really had some lofty goals to change things. Did he really succeed? Now he's voted out. What did he really change? He caused a lot of you know, arguments and debates, but at the end of the day, the government, the system, the country, it's really the same. You know, Obama, same thing. He came on with this concept of, you know, of changing things. In the end, he kind of just did more of what Bush did. Uh, you know, you got Bush. The, the, the point of the matter is, even if you dedicate your life and become the leader of the country, I don't even know if you really have the power to change things then. So the government, for, for me, is an example of something that seems immovable and unchangeable. So, so why do I fight it? Do I think I'm going to have the power to convince the government, you know, that I'm not going to pay taxes? No, not a chance. Another example of a cart might be how culture views me how they view the way I act, my relationships, how, how they view me and my expectations as a man, a father. No matter how much I kind of rage against those stereotypes, I'm not sure I can really get rid of that. People are going to have those opinions no matter what. So how do we deal with this situation? How do you exist in this world? I'm finally getting to an answer to that question. So you know I love analogies. I'm gonna throw out one more analogy. And this is the idea of a game. So 
when you play a game, let's say you're playing a board game with your friends, you know, what is playing a game? You all sit down, you agree that, hey, here are the rules. Here is how a person succeeds in this game. Here's how somebody loses. Here's how somebody wins the game. Let's all agree on these rules and then let's play the game. And I'm sure we've all met that one person that sits there and almost like forgets that they're playing a game. They get super stressed out. They get super competitive. And it's almost like they can get super upset and they take the game so personally that it almost ruins the experience for them. Like they're, here the point of the game is to enjoy it. And yet they're stressed out. They're full of anxiety. They're angry. You know, their cortisol levels are like spiking through the roof. And why? because they're taking the game too seriously. So I kind of think that life is like that. Life is like a game. We're sitting down at a table. There's a set of rules that you're expected to follow in order to play this game. If you sit down at a table to play a game and you decide, you know what, I'm not gonna follow your rules. I'm gonna make up my own rules over here. Now you're playing Monopoly and you're like stealing people's land and houses. I mean, you're, you're gonna be kicked out of the game or people aren't gonna play games with you for very long. And that's kind of like the dog who lays down in the mud and won't play the game. There's a game here that you're being kind of forced to play. You have the choice to play or not. So this is something that I kind of came up with a few years ago and I remember I was sitting in my therapist's office, and I, I said, I think that maybe I've figured out how to exist better in the world, and it's to treat it like a game. The thing about any game is there's always loopholes. There's always a strategy that you can outmaneuver the other people in the game in order to do what you want in that game, to kind of define what your definition of success is for that game. I think that life is like that. And that's what we need to do with life, is look at it like a game and then play the game in such a way that we create a win by our definition. So what does winning look like to me? For me, I think it's getting as free as I can within the confines of the cage. A lot of people, they just sort of fall for the system hook, line, and sinker, and they end up working jobs they hate. They're in relationships that are like, you know, degrading and, you know, exhausting to them. They are doing things that maybe they don't really want to do. It's other, they're, they're living for other people before themselves, basically being a people pleaser. So for me, uh, winning the game is not being a people pleaser, being fulfilled in myself, finding peace with myself, uh, having a calm mind, and creating a calm environment for myself to now work on the things that I want to work on. So that involves running a business. I think that for me, starting and running my own business has been one of the best things I've ever done because it creates a situation where I can work from home. That's where, I, that's where I want to be. I just want to be at home. I don't want to go into an office and deal with all that nonsense that goes on in an office. And, and at that, I want to run a small business. I want to run a business that can be nimble and react quickly. And the other thing that I like is that I can hire people to do the things that I don't really want to do. So at this point, I've detached my income from my time how much I work and how many hours I put in doesn't 
you know, directly relate with how much money I make. For me, wealth is equity in something that creates money without my involvement, without my time. Um, I've invested something, and then this thing gives me a return on investment, and that is wealth. Working for somebody by the hour where you have no piece of the pie, where you do not own equity, that's not wealth. And by my definition, um, you have to own something of, you have to own something of value in order to really create wealth. But if you're the type of person who's even watching this video at all, you're, you might be the type of person who could benefit from running your own business. And then as you move through life, it's looking for the loopholes in the game. What are the shortcuts that you can take in order to get to this end goal that you want, this, this version of winning? And you know, I've thought about maybe doing another video on businesses. I have lots to say about business. I, I hardly talk about it on this channel, but maybe I'll do a video on how to start your own business, how to find the idea, because there's bad ideas and there's good ideas for businesses. There's right ways and wrong ways to start businesses. So maybe it's an interesting topic. So to summarize, I think when I'm going through life now, Sometimes I will try to remember, especially when I get kind of, I start feeling that rage come up inside of me as I, I want to fight the system. I want to fight that dragon. And Nietzsche's third stage of life is the child. And the second stage is the lion. And the lion is this aggressive creature that fights the dragon. But if you can get past that into this child phase, you don't even bother fighting the dragon because you just skip around it. It's almost like, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. And you can just skip away into the distance, even though this dragon still exists. Your, your focus isn't on fighting the dragon all the time. Treat life like a game. Don't take it too seriously. And I think that through that process, you can be a much calmer, healthier, happier person. So anyway, guys, I hope that was useful for you. If you have any questions or comments, leave something below. But also leave me an audio question. Uh, for a time there, I was getting tons of audio questions. I think I haven't been asking people enough to send those in. Um, so I've only gotten a couple lately. But feel free to leave me an audio question and I can answer that in a video. So tell me below in the comments what you think about all this. Um, do you think that life is a game that everybody is taking a little too seriously? Thanks for checking it out. Have a great day. Bye.